This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined as always by Dave Hughes. Dave, how's your week been, mate? Yeah, very good so far, mate. Um, not much to report, but all good on my end. What about yourself? Yeah, same. Fully enough, my mood usually coincides with Liverpool's form. <laughs> uh, and at the minute, all things are good. All things are predictable at the minute. So, you know, I'll take it every day of the week. Today, we've got a fair bit to get through. Um, we'll see how we go with it. But before we start, I just wanted to flag the Analyze Nanfield newsletter. Um, obviously, we, we, we pushed it a fair bit around a year ago, maybe. Maybe a little bit less. Um but it kind of got put on the back burner a little bit. Other things took the priority. But as of today, it's getting kickstarted again. It's going back was again on a weekly basis. I'll be sending today's at about 5.30. That's on a Wednesday. I'm not sure if this podcast will even be out by then. Um, but if you've already signed up, you don't have to do anything. As far as I'm aware, it'll just arrive in your inbox. If it doesn't arrive in your inbox by tonight, check your junk mail. Um but if you want to sign up to the Analyzing Anfield newsletter, we will provide a link for you. And what it is, is, is just um, a newsletter sent direct to your email every week uh, for free. Um, consisting of an Analyzing Anfield topic written by usually me, uh, sometimes Dave. Um, so if you like the Analyzing Anfield usual content, you will like the newsletter. Um, you'll get two newsletters a week, actually. You'll get one from me or Dave written as like a piece form and you'll get another with just a series of links on taking you to the Liverpool Echo website pieces written by myself or pieces written by Dave so they're the two emails you'll get a week if you sign up to the newsletter as I said totally free worth doing uh, Dave you've got your own newsletter as well haven't you Analytic 5 I'm not sure if you want to plug that quickly yeah it's worth doing obviously people who tend to watch all this in this show tend to have an interest in um the analysis aspect of the game, but you know, not just Liverpool. It tends tends to be people who have a, an interest in things going on, you know, across the, the wider football spectrum. Uh, that's what we try and do with Analytics Five. Um, so what we'll do is um, we'll maybe put a link in for that as well underneath the Analyze Anfield newsletter. Um, similar thing. It'll just come in once, once or twice a week, and just just hopefully an interesting story. Uh, coming straight into your inbox so yeah do look out for them um, and sign up to both if if you want to yeah uh, today's edition analysed Anfield wise will be on Liverpool's set pieces this season which I'm going to look I'm going to delve into numbers and you know a few video screenshots and footage and things like that just to provide a bit of an insight of what's going on so you know look out for that one anyway but in terms of the week Dave Crystal Palace um, I think we both predicted 2-0 on this one. Not far off. Liverpool ended up winning by three. Uh, but it's nice to get these uh, predictions back on track, roughly at least. Um, because Liverpool seems to have got back in that almost routine where wins kind of just happen alongside good performances. Obviously, there was a period last season where good performances weren't always delivering the results they deserved, in my opinion. Now, that seems to be the case. Yeah, serious kind of season, 19-20 vibes over the last uh, couple of weeks or this first few weeks of this campaign. Um, another really good performance. And yeah, I was thinking we're, we're on for this one. You know, a correct scoreline as well. Maybe one of the first in a while and then Cater pulls that one out of the bag late on. Uh, so <laughs> it wasn't to meant be, to be. <laughs> to be fair, based on his facial expression, it looked like he was gutted that he'd, um, he'd, he'd got our predictions wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, I looked... said that we'd said 2 0, so you know, you can make sure you put that one over the bar. But, um, yeah, look, no, listen, joking aside, really good goal. Another really good result that was um, combined with a really good performance, um, which is just as pleasing, I think, from a Liverpool point of view, because um, it just points to where they are at the moment. Touched on it last week, but you know, they, I think no team in England's top four divisions has gone as many games undefeated. Um, Confidence is so high and playing really well. Um, I thought Liverpool looked so sharp again in the attacking third. 
um, and the underlying numbers from the game, they just they just capture what 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 was another really good performance with a really positive scoreline to go with it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. When I was watching it, specifically early stages, Liverpool didn't look that comfortable, um, and throughout the game, they just they didn't look as good maybe as in previous weeks. But then it gets to the end of the match. You've won three nil. And you take a little look at the numbers. 2.8 expected goals for Liverpool, 0.9 for Palace, and Liverpool 25 shots, Palace 13. And as I said, this is on the back of a performance that, certainly based on the eyes, didn't feel as comfortable. But it's just, I suppose, what you're saying with the 1920 vibes thing. I think it does fit with that in terms of Liverpool never really seeming in that much trouble when most of their usual eleven is on the field, specifically when Allison is playing Salah and Van Dijk. Um, Liverpool just never seemed to be in trouble too much. So as I said, it was it was a weird one because uh, there was points in the game where we felt challenged. Palace had a, Palace started quite well. I thought he looked like a different side on the Vieira, but Liverpool come out comfortable winners, not just in terms of the result, but you know, the numbers back up that it was it was only ever really gonna go one way. Yeah. Well what I was really impressed with personally was um something that just stood out for me was the speed in which the ball gets moved in the attacking third. It felt like last season that was a bit of an issue when when Liverpool was struggling where it looked a little bit like they were out of ideas, a little bit slow. Uh in this game particularly, um looked really quick, just moving the ball so fast. And that it felt like Palace struggled a little bit of times to deal with that. Um Tomiscus on, on you know on the on the left side left back position, he's he's really kind of alleviated that burden on Robertson, hasn't he? Because Simicas, sorry, uh, because the way he's the way he, he can kind of contribute in the attacking third. I thought was a, I just thought it was kind of his crossing on the day was was really sharp, and I'm not just talking from set pieces. It felt like Liverpool were constantly trying to find him in that in those positions, going out to him, and it just felt like Liverpool putting in a lot of crosses, and they were coming from his side. And Do you the reason I'm... I, I I actually think his his crossing's better than Robertson's. I actually think his his technique, the the, the way he hits the ball, the way he strikes the ball and crosses it and things, the way he gets on it, I I, I prefer it to Robertson to be honest. Yeah, so do I. I think it's. I think it's. It 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 offers a, offers a lot more as a ball going into the box. Uh, he looks really dangerous, and he, he no longer feels like someone who's maybe, um, you know, you need to bring him in just to give Robertson a rest. It feels like you bring him in, knowing that he's got his own individual credentials that he's going to bring to the side and uh, make the side a little bit better. And as I said, maybe not better because Robertson is what he is. You know, one of the best left backs in the Premier League. But it just and it. It's, for me, it just felt like Liverpool were trying to find them a lot in the attacking third, and that's a testament to the kind of trust the players have, and obviously maybe pre-arranged tactics before the game where they thought getting it out to him is a is a dangerous form of attack, and I did think that he looked really dangerous putting balls into the box. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when we first spoke about Simicas, um a while back now, when, when Liverpool signed them, we, we showed them on this pod, and I I posted a few visits on Twitter and things like that when no one really went to the him. I I didn't personally know much about him until I looked into him. Um, but a player that we that, that I did kind of flag was fullback wise, comparison to the rest of the league. He was competing in at least Greek Super League. He he was very attacking. He was you know certainly a carrier of the ball. I remember that uh, in terms of moving the ball forward, the ball at his feet and things, and obviously he's a really good crosser in terms of his technique. So. I think it just makes sense to, to, to do things like that. And I think Liverpool have tried to do things like that for the first 11 over the years. Like I think I, I'm convinced Minamino was signed as some kind of like beta version of Firmino so that if Firmino was ever out, you could get a similar profile of player in the team. I don't think it's quite worked out so much with Minamino. But I think if you look at Simicas, he is in a way a kind of cheap um, alternative version of Robertson that, that Liverpool have been able to get him for a, for a cut price and as as you can see by the way he plays if everything else in the system is largely the same you don't suffer that much because he offers similar 
traits to Robertson on a pitch. He, you can attack through him. Um, he will create chances for you. He can deliver the ball. I still personally think Robertson's ahead of him, and I don't think it's close either. I think Robertson's overall game is far better. Um, but I do think in attack, when it comes to delivering crosses in particular, and set pieces as well, I, I would say Simakas has the edge. Um, and obviously in certain games, when maybe you're likely to dominate, when the opponent's right side maybe isn't that strong, which I think was the case with, with Crystal Palace, I think you can just play Simakas and, and give Robertson a bit of a break. Yeah, because Robertson, if we're being brutally honest, played way too much football last season. Um, probably, probably a little bit more than he needed to, if you want to make that argument. Um, but then Liverpool, in the same breath, didn't really have much choice did, because of the you know, changes that were required elsewhere. You know, hopefully, he'll, he'll get a lot more um, breathers throughout the campaign now that you've got a more than able deputy. Um, but as I said, it's, it's not just a deputy; it is a player who brings something to the side. Uh, and he was he was definitely a bright spark. I thought on 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 Saturday. Yeah, I'm just looking at the minutes. The minutes now, actually, in the in the Premier League last season, posted by players, and Robertson finished twelfth in the Premier League for total minutes, played three thousand three hundred eighty three, um, and I think I'm pretty sure in saying all of the players above him, all of the outfielders above him, let's say, uh, only really had one game a week, whereas obviously Robertson was competing in the Champions League and stuff. So, yeah, as you say, playing far too much football, but. Simakas looks like a really solid deputy. Um, but in terms of Liverpool's shooting, which I touched on before, 25 shots. Uh, again, really, I mean, it feels like a bit of a recurring theme at the minute. I'm just going to touch on Liverpool's shooting so far. So, first game of the season, we play Norwich, 19 shots. Then 28, then 23, then 30, 22, 25, and then midweek with a much rotated side against Norwich, 17 again. So Liverpool are taking a lot of shots. You know, that's, that, that's a lot. And when you're taking that many and they're coming from so many different areas, that's a really difficult attack to stop. I was I was asked during the week actually by um, a Real Madrid fan who was speak too frequently. I appeared on his podcast at the end of the last season when Liverpool drew Real Madrid in the Champions League. I think I remember flagging it on his podcast a little bit. And he, he wrote a piece about Liverpool and he, he just asked me that they would think Liverpool are better than Chelsea. Um, and it, it stumped me a little bit. I struggled to answer it, but I said to him, in attack, I think we are. I think Liverpool have a better attack than Chelsea. I, I don't think Liverpool are necessarily a better team. Uh, I think Chelsea are ridiculous on the defensive side. But I would say in attack, Dave, I think Liverpool have, have got one of the best attacks in Europe, mm-hmm. if not the best. Well, they've certainly got one of the best. I think it's a really tough question to answer, which I can understand why you you probably struggled with it. Um, so far this season, they've been really, really strong in attack. Uh, you've touched on the shooting numbers there. Um, it's definitely an, an increase on the averages of last season and even the, the, the Premier League winning campaign. But, of course, it's still early days, isn't it? Uh, you could probably make a case, case that beyond, well, sorry, either side of Chelsea, the opposition's been decent but unremarkable and obviously in that Chelsea game um, they go down to 10 men so I still think tougher tests away but um, attacking wise Liverpool just looks so good this year uh, based on what we've seen so far um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I don't know if we'll come on to it but it's something that we've been talking about separately but you know the amount of set pieces they seem to be having and shots from set pieces uh, I think that ties in with this kind of attacking dominance they've got at the moment where they're just so strong going forward, creating so many chances. Um, when those, some of those chances maybe maybe not lead directly to shots, but they lead to corners, set pieces, um, which are then alternatively then going into a <clears throat> leading into shooting opportunities. So on all fronts, really attacking wise, this this season Liverpool look really really good. I'd, I'd say I would say just to go back to your, your, the conversation you were having with 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 your mates um, about. The attack, I would be inclined to say Liverpool have probably got the strongest attack in the league for sure. Because although Chelsea are obviously really good, it feels like theirs is a little bit more one man orientated. AKA, you know, Lukaku brings them up to a level level to be in a conversation with Liverpool. Whereas 
I don't think Liverpool are that dependent on one player. Maybe Salah, but you know, if you look at the what, what Mane, for example, is doing this season, the you know the kind of shooting positions he's getting himself in, the number of shots he's having. Jota, poor Jota, I don't know how he didn't score on Saturday because he had enough shoot, shooting opportunities as well. I don't know how many shots he actually had for sure, Josh, but it seemed like a million. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I just think you know Liverpool have more great attackers, uh, even though Chelsea have good forward players, I think, in terms of, you know, being less of a reliance on one man, you'd say Liverpool uh, win that one. I think you can also throw in Trent as well to Liverpool's attack. Mm-hmm. You know, Liverpool's attacking game since Alexander-Arnold's and Segel tour. And I did speak before the, um, before the, I think it was the end of the transfer one that I spoke about. You know, if certain players get injured, Liverpool might be in trouble. And one of the players that I did mention was Trent. Um, but I think, you know, ever evergreen James Milner comes in um, <laughs> and he, he, he kind of offered much of what Trent usually does. Um, for example, obviously Trent, one of his biggest perks is his ball progression from deep. You know, Liverpool, he moves Liverpool closer to the goal, moves Liverpool into valuable areas and stuff like that. So one of the ways in which we can quantify that is progressive passes. Uh, and Milner topped the game. Milner was top of the game, so he posted 11, which is roughly around what Trent usually posts. Um, Thiago was second on nine, and then the nearest player to them two was on five. So Milner acted as Trent. I'm not sure if he was consciously thinking, I have to play like Trent, or if it was just Milner playing a natural game. Probably a bit of both. But... 11 progressive passes from right-back. You know, James Mother offered a lot of what Trent did. The only thing, he, he obviously fell short a little bit when it comes to how Trent merges ball progression with chance creation. Um, Mother only created one shot. Trent usually averages about four per match, per 90, sorry. Um, but Milner certainly, when it comes to progressing the ball, Dave, and just coming in as a reliable presence, obviously Trent pulled out, I think, about three hours before the game. He's the kind of player that you want on your squad, really, isn't he? Yeah, look, for all the talk of the lack of depth in the squads, which has been plenty of that, hasn't it? Um, I did have a quick gander because I, I was thinking, you know, Simakas coming in, Milner coming in, and you, you're like, they're actually more changes than I think Klopp would have probably liked to have done. Certainly that Milner one for Trent. Um, so I look into 19 changes ac- across the last three games, and obviously Liverpool have won them impressively. Um, so there's there's a little bit more depth than maybe um, maybe they've had credit for. And players like Milner are those kind of utility players that we talked about before, haven't we? Where he can come in, he can do that job in right back, uh, a more than adequate job. He can come into the midfield and do more than that adequate job there. Maybe he'll be used as an eight. Maybe one game he'll be needed as a six, and he'll he'll more than often than not give you a solid six or seven out of ten. Six being the worst, but more 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 often you're probably looking about a seven or an eight from him because he's just so reliable. Um, and that would that's what happened on Saturday. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Well, this this is why I never really get too carried away when it comes to transfer window and when, when it comes to wanting two players for every single position because although Klopp has a small-ish squad he has so many versatile players like Milner who can just pa- kind of play anywhere that Liverpool are unlikely to encounter major issues unless something out of the norm happens so injuries in a few different areas or injuries suffered all at once in one department like we've seen obviously last season but when Liverpool have, uh, uh, make a few changes and, and and the spine let's say remains the same the, the team just copes sort of thing I mean you know Trent was out this weekend Robertson was out the two fullbacks the two ball progressive creative hubs that Klopp has built around Joe Matip was out as well Canate came in for his Premier League debut um, and Liverpool just Okay, we looked a little bit just at the start, like I mentioned, but another three 0 win, you know, and and numbers to favour that. So, you know, I've said for a while, Liverpool, it's a lot has to go wrong injury wise and stuff for for Liverpool to really begin to suffer. 
Um, and obviously those changes there, you mentioned 19 over the course of the season so far. So, so far, that was just three been, games, that's sorry, mate. That was three games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's 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 so far it hasn't been enough for Liverpool to even concede, really. Um so you know, it bodes well for the rest of the season and I think it shines a light on how transfers aren't always I, I always say I think that the they're overvalued, I think. It, it, individual transfers at least are overvalued. I think your recruitment over the course of a few windows is massive. But when it comes to making one sign it doesn't have that much of an impact on your points total. Like if Liverpool have, if Liverpool had signed an additional forward, so that forward would have been fifth choice probably, unless he was top quality. You know how how many points does a fifth choice forward deliver over the course of the season from from a total of say ninety? You know not many, not many really, especially if everyone's fit throughout the season. For me, I was back and seeing and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I wanted to touch on what you've just mentioned there without going too deep. Because I'm thinking about the newsletter. But um, in terms of the set pieces, Dave, yeah, all three of Liverpool's goals, despite Liverpool's attack being really good, obviously, all three of the goals came from set pieces. Um, and I think what's interesting is they're not they're not headers direct from the delivery. They're, they're usually second balls. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's. Um, I mean, the thing is, again, talked about it, away from the podcast. Um, it doesn't always need to be uh, a routine structured, you know, uh, in this corner, we're going to go for this routine to make this knockdown so it'll lead to X player who will then get the shot off. Um, sometimes it's just about having contingency plans in place, you know, making other players making specific runs or just targeting specific areas of, in the box where Maybe there's not a lot of coverage or less coverage or mismatches. Um, because at the end of the day, it's set pieces are really chaotic, aren't they? So it's just about adding some organization to the chaos and trying to find ways that you can that you can benefit, even if it doesn't necessarily go to initial plan A. Uh, I think Liverpool have done that really well. Obviously, the first goal was a, a header, which is parried, but Mane's following in, so it's an easy one for Mane. Um the second one, obviously, Van Dijk goes up for the header. Doesn't really get a shot off, but it bounces off his head into Salah, who's made a good back post run, um, shaking his mark in the process. So just little things like that, and that's how you uh, tend to profit so much. And then, if you, you know, if you think about Norwich, we're not going to speak about the Norwich game, but first goal in that game, Milamino scores again from the second ball from the set-piece. So mm. whatever Liverpool are doing is really interesting. And... Um, you know, in terms of the numbers behind Liverpool set pieces, the number of shots that they generate and stuff, I I think I will save for the newsletter. So have a look out for that tonight. Um, if you've signed up, if you haven't signed up, what are you playing at? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it was a another nice win, another nice performance. Three um, 0 Liverpool haven't conceded yet. Eh, sorry, Liverpool have conceded once. But I don't think we've conceded from open play yet in the Premier League. Uh, obviously, that Kai Havertz, whether it was intentional or not, um, that goal is the only one Liverpool have conceded, I think. So, yeah, you know, good times. And I think we're moving on to, I think, what will be a tricky game this weekend in terms of Brentford. Dave, you've been impressed with how they've started. I have, yeah. Um Obviously, I think we all watched the first game of the season uh, against Arsenal. You know, really, really good, good, enjoyable game to watch after you know so long of sterile, empty stadiums, a really big atmosphere, big result for the home side. Um, I think I've watched them. I watched them against Wolves last week, and I was really, really impressed there because, well, you know, <laughs> I think me and you would probably brand ourselves. A little bit fantasy football obsessed, you know. People, people on this show don't get to see that side, but we talk about it a lot. And um, Wolves have been a team that looked like they were due uh, a decent result. Brentford was maybe that that game that you thought is going to come here, but they did really well. You know, um, finished two 0 But I, I think I watched the first hour of the game, and they had. Another two goals ruled offside, which are really tight ones. Certainly, there was a handball one I thought was a little bit unlucky. Um, 
So on another day, you know, it could, it could have been about three or four nil, uh, which maybe would have flattered them a little bit, but still really impressive. And yeah, to answer your question, I think they've uh, they've done really well results wise. And you know what? As we may come on to, uh, the numbers haven't been too bad either uh, over these five games. No, they haven't, and I think that's that. That's why I'm encouraged by them. You know, sometimes a team can pick up some some decent early results. I think maybe Norwich two seasons ago with Puki and Wendy started okay, but I think I don't think the numbers were too favourable. But I think if you look at Brentford this season, um, they do look like they've started well, and you know they they, they haven't really posted bad numbers and like that. You know, they've only lost once. Two wins, two draws. Um, the numbers in attack are not particularly unique. No. So, in terms of shots, they are second bottom mm. with forty six. But that takes a bit of a boost once you look at the quality of those shots. And when I say quality, I mean as in like how clear, clear cut the, the the shots are. They're about mid table for XG, which suggests that they might not shoot too often, but when they do, the, the decent chances that they could be reasonably expected to put away. But I think particularly in defence, they, they, they do look good. Um, and this is why it's probably going to be a test for Liverpool. You know, just big Liverpool's attack-up is arguably the best in Europe. Brentford so far this season have allowed fewer shots on their goal than Liverpool have, actually. So City top, having faced only 32. And then Wolves, David, you just mentioned, they've faced 40. But then Brentford, Brentford faced 50, Liverpool have faced 52. Um, and if you look at the XG as well, it's even better story for them. They've got the second best expected goals against so far in the league. Been expected to concede about 3.6 goals. Liverpool, for perspective, have been expected to concede about 5.1. And all of that is excluding penalties as well. So, yeah, I think what I'm getting at is they seem to be a, a decent relatively efficient side and attack, but particularly in defence, they, they look good at restricting their opponents from, from generating much. So, considering this is a, an away fixture for Liverpool, I think this could be a, a bit of a tricky one. Yeah, I can only echo everything you said, really. I'd look myself. Uh, you touched on them there, but I was quite surprised that, yeah, shots on target faced, you know, again, only 13 all season, which, you know, probably comparison with pool 15. Um, they've looked strong defensively. Uh, attacking wise, you know, um, I think even saying mid rankings may we're probably being quite polite there, aren't we? It, it, it looks, you know, kind of one of the lesser uh, in terms of at least quantity of shots to create. But um, yeah, I think it, it it could be a tough game in terms of looking to break 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 them down, create quality chances. And then you'll also throw in the other factors as well. Uh, tough place to go. Half five, uh, Saturday evening. Um, fans are going to be right up for it. It could be a potential banana skin. Now, the form that people are in, you, you, you still fancy them to, to overcome most obstacles. But um, just, I think this one's a little bit different than anything they faced so far and that's why it's it could have the potential to be a banana skin if they're not really adding yeah i i think this one could be a little bit like do you remember two seasons ago liverpool went away to sheffield united um and we won one nil but it was a a tame effort from genie wijnaldum that went under dean henderson's legs and Liverpool ends up, don't get me wrong, Liverpool deserved to win. But it was a tricky fixture. They were, the crowd were up, Sheffield United were in our faces a little bit. And it was a it was a test for, for would-be champions, I think, that, that, that fixture back then. Um, and I think this one c- could be similar. Don't get me wrong, Liverpool have the, without doubt, have the quality to go and win this 3-0 again. Very much so. But if this was still... You know, nil nil half time. I I wouldn't be that that surprised really. I I don't think Liverpool will run away with this one. I, I, again, I could be left with egg on my face given the quality of Liverpool's squad. Or 
just looking at what Brentford have done so far this season, they look like a well-organised side. They look like a a better version of Crystal Palace, really. What we've just faced in Crystal Palace causes some issues. Mm. Um, so it's going to be think, an interesting one. Yeah, I think they also had a... Now, look, we don't look too much into these results, do, do we, at all? Uh, but they had a bit of morale boost and went through the week. They, they put seven past Oldham in the in the League Cup. Um, and we've just been kind of downplaying their attack, but it could be a much changed side. But I just think results like that, you know, when you've had a decent start to the season, they do kind of build into the momentum a little bit, um, making them just probably a little bit more trickier. Uh, so I agree. It's just, it, it's not... The thing is, I could quite easily see us doing the show next week. And as you said, talking about a three or four nil win where Liverpool post the next year, like close to three, have like 25 shots and it'd just be quite comfortable because that's what happened so much in 1920. We kept expecting issues and then and then Liverpool would just, you know, kind of batter to one side. So that could well happen, but I think it's just worth flagging for maybe people who haven't paid as much attention and are just looking at this as... Liverpool going away to a team who've just been promoted should be a, a win, you know, in the bag. Simple. Yeah, no, I, I'm not not inclined to think it'll be as, as easy as that, really. Um, but yeah, if you, if you look at Brighton, it, Brighton, if you look at Brentford's defence, um, one of the ways in which they seem to have established this this solid defensive game is is pressures. Um, I wasn't that aware that they were you know in so intense without the ball but they, they seem to be based on the early stage of the season only leads so far have have pressured the ball more than Brentford um and it's not just a deep pressure as well they're about I think that's eighth maybe in the league for pressures in the attacking third the second in the league for pressures in the middle third and the fourth in the league for pressures in the defensive third. So kind of all over the pitch, you can expect to, to be put under pressure on the ball, basically. Liverpool have just kind of faced that a little bit with Leeds, I suppose, and played right through them. But Brentford aren't man-orientated, so Liverpool, I don't think, will be able to disorganise them as easily. And Brentford also play with a, a back five, really. I mean, I suppose you could say back three sometimes, but against Liverpool, it's probably going to be a back five. Three midfielders in front of that usually, and then a front two of Ivan Tony and Brian and Bemo. I think it is. So, yeah, as I said, it, I think what I'm trying to paint a picture of here is I think when it comes to just general title tests throughout the season, obviously Liverpool have already faced Chelsea, which was a test. Um, Burnley, I suppose, is a bit of a test, but I think this can be deemed as a bit of a right. Go go and show us then that you can potentially do what you did a few seasons ago. Go, go and show you can do it again. I think there's a there's an element to that about this fixture. Yeah, because I'd say the two tests you mentioned there, and I'm not trying to say anything away from the pool, by the way. You know, we just spoke quite glowingly for weeks now about them, but uh, you say about Chelsea, well, obviously, Chelsea go down to 10 men before half-time, which changes the, the, the kind of makeup of that match. Uh, and then Burnley, I think Turf Moore, well, sorry, just Burnley because it went because it wasn't even that safe. More, but Burnley, sorry, in general, kind of have live live off the their own kind of hype a little bit, maybe where it's not always warranted. Um, so I think if you look at their start, they've only picked up maybe one point so far this season. So they've obviously struggled. Whereas, as you've just said, you know, Brentford's results-wise being good, underlying numbers decent. Um, I think you will be facing a back five, although it is a back, it meant to be a back three. Obviously, when those wing backs drop in, it's going to be a back five, difficult to break down. I think they've got a good keeper as well. Uh, I think Ray is a, a good keeper. He was, I mean, we were talking about fancy football 10 minutes ago. He, uh, he, he comes straight in for me at the start of the season. He's done okay. Um, so he's, he's going to, he's, I mean, maybe. It's funny you talk about the Sheffield United game because. We said similar things about Henderson, and he ended up making that mistake for Wijnaldum's goal. That proved important. So I might be putting the hoodoo on Ray, but uh, just in terms of what we've seen so far and what he was doing last year, he's a goalkeeper. So it's just it's it's not a straightforward match this one, uh, and it'll be an interesting interesting game to see what Liverpool can do. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. 
Yeah, I think I'll flag as well that when it comes to the back five that they've been using, two of their three centre-backs are pretty tall, I think, in, in Ethan Pinnock and Christopher Edger. Um I think they got Edger from Celtic and they got Pinnock from Barnsley, might have been. But both of those are good in the air, so when it comes to soaking crosses that Liverpool are likely to put into the box, I'd expect them to do reasonably okay with them. Um, and obviously we've talked a lot already about set-pieces. We can't not talk about set-pieces in relation to Brentford, really. I mean, we saw early in the season they caused problems for Arsenal when it comes to a long throw. Um, and I think their owner as well, who I suppose we also have to touch on, Matthew Benham, uh, is a or is or was a gambler. I'm not too sure exactly how it works now. He's got his own company called Smart Odds. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also the owner of um, Michelin. And M- Michelin, I think, famously won the league a few years back. Won the Danish league by by scoring something like, I don't know if it was 30% of their goals through set pieces mm-hmm. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so, 20 odd, I think. 20 odd goals they yeah. scored from set pieces. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to be easy to do it against Liverpool because Liverpool have got the likes of Van Dijk and things sweeping balls away. But it's something that, you know, if Liverpool are going to concede in this game, which I don't think they will. I think Liverpool will keep a clean sheet. But if Liverpool are going to concede, I wouldn't be that surprised if it came around the corner or, or something like that. Yeah, well, that, you imagine, based on what we know, you know, at the end, we're previewing the, the game. Based on what we know, you'd look at this as a fixture where Brentford are probably going to try and restrict opportunities for Liverpool. Um, they're probably not going to create many of their own in open play um, for two reasons. One, because how good Liverpool are defensively at the moment uh, and two, based on what they've been producing against other sides coming into the game. You know, not a lot, but um, yeah, set pieces, long throws, things like that. Liverpool will be tested. Now, you're a lot more confident with this Liverpool side this season then. I think had we been previewing this opponents seven months ago, Josh, uh, in that middle period of the last season, I think we would have been pretty concerned. Um, maybe not so much now um, because of just how, how strong Liverpool are. But again, keep saying it, they'll be tested, I think, in in, 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 in that uh, in that area. Yeah, I mean, just a final little note on Brentford. I think we probably have to touch on the whole recruitment thing, don't we? Um, you know, very much a data driven club, although they, they do consider the aspects that Liverpool consider in terms of, you know, outside the numbers, personality traits and stuff like that. But in terms of Brentford's recruitment over the years, the way Liverpool's recruitment has kind of delivered a Premier League title in recent times, Brentford's recruitment is has pretty much delivered a Premier League um, status. You know, if you look at specifically the forwards that they've that they've had. They brought Neil Moore paying to the country from, um, I think it was Saint Etienne. Yeah, uh, for for one point eight million, Dave. <laughs> uh, and in the same summer, they signed Ollie Watkins for six point five million, mm-hmm. uh, which is that's you know that's impressive. And shortly after, uh, Moore pay was obviously sold for twenty million to Brighton. Watkins comes in, scores about twenty five or so. And gets sold to Villa for thirty million, and he replaced Watkins with with Ivan Tony for five million from Peterborough, I think. And he goes and breaks the championship record for scoring. So, mm. in terms of how to recruit and how to keep replacing players who are getting poached, Brentford is certainly a club who know what they're doing, really. Yeah, I, I think what really impresses though uh, about Brentford, which. Yeah, you know, maybe separate them a little bit from similar sides. Is obviously the the recruit really well. Um, do whatever they do behind the scenes to to find these right targets. But I think they're really, really good at play development. You know, I think they're really good at bringing in players with potential, but actually progressing them to that stage where they come become like you know what Tony is now. Uh, you know, I, I remember watching Tony a few years back. I, I want to say you think Wigan, and um, I'm pretty sure it was. I'll double check that now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was at Wigan because I watched him a couple. I watched Wigan a couple of times a few years ago, and to me, he looked like he, that was his level. Uh, maybe a Championship player. 
at most, but kind of mid-ranking championship player. And now you look at him and you, you, he's he's broken the record in that division. He's coming to the Premier League. He's already got a couple of goals. You, you, you're pretty confident he'll probably finish the season on minimum 10 from this point on. I think they just develop players really well. And that's how they manage to make such profits on on the names that you just listed then. Um, so, yeah, Saad, you do a lot of good stuff in terms of the, you know that term marginal gains. They do all that small details, but they have a really, really good uh, player development uh, system in place. And a unique one as well, because it's not like traditional academies, is it? No, I mean, it, uh, they closed the academy a few years back um, yeah. in favour of Brentford B, I think they labelled it. And I think a lot of it stemmed from, you know, that they would maybe develop a kid from the age of like eight or so. And he'd get to 16 and he'd get poached by Manchester United or mm-hmm. so for, for about a million pounds. And it's just, I think Brentford deemed it is not worth it, basically. Um so I, I suppose there's an element in there of, you know, it's sad to see when it's, when you see an academy close like that. But at the same time, from a business perspective, I, I can understand the thinking there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another bit of business that they, that they did, and this was in 2018-19, again in the same summer, they signed Esri Concer from Charlton for about £3 million, who obviously we know now is a Aston Villa, and he's probably worth at the minute. Esri Concer, Dave, I want you to... Thirty million plus, yeah, something like that. That's probably a good shout. And uh, obviously, Saeed Ben Rama, they got in from Nice in France for about again, about one point five million. So, really well run club, to be honest, and a club that I I like to see do well personally. I like to see clubs that are well run do well because they deserve it, in my opinion. Whereas the clubs that are just kind of like floating, going float somewhere else in a, in a lower division. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You you are right. Can I just, by the way, just on the Tony point, because I just it, it is hammering on what we've just been talking about. I brought it up while we were chatting. Then, so obviously he was, he's at Newcastle from 2015. In that time, he went on loan to Barnsley, one goal. Uh, on on loan to Shrewsbury, six goals. On loan to Scunthorpe, six goals. On loan at Wigan, four goals. Scunthorpe United, eight goals. You know, it's only when he goes to Peter Brace, he kind of shows himself. He, he ends up netting 40 times in 76 games. But, you know, it that player there... It's a mad explosion, that, isn't it? Yeah, it's, that's it. It's ridiculous. Like, that play, you think he is at his level. And even there, he's not particularly performing. He, he, he goes and does a Peter Brett, goes to Brentford, and they take him that next level. You know, they establish him as this championship player and now probably a Premier League forward. Um, it just shows that... The, although we, we're not privy to what they do, it shows that the, the development in terms of you know senior players or players becoming senior players is is right up there. Yeah, I mean, I think in any normal preview for most teams, I think would probably involve a lot on on Tony because he is he is what you'd probably label as a handful while also having plenty of quality when he's in possession of the ball. But I do think that particularly the way he performed against Arsenal, for example. And against Wolves as well, I think you could put in there, given Conor Cody's physicality, I think Tony was able to really get a, a physical hold over those defences uh, to the extent that one player, one defender, can't really cope with him. And he draws a distraction from others and just generally causes a bit of chaos. Um, whereas I think against Liverpool, I think Liverpool will be more fine than most other teams in that department, possibly every team in the league when it comes to having a centre-back pairing of, of Van Dijk and Matip. So I think that should that should benefit us when it comes to dealing with Tony's threat. Obviously, Brentford merged Tony's skill set with um, Buemo, who's, who's very quick. Mm-hmm. Again, Liverpool have got that um, in abundance, really, when it comes to Van Dijk, who, who plays on Buemo's side, I think. So I think Liverpool are well well-equipped to deal with Brentford's attack and threat. Um, obviously, it remains to be seen how creative they will be from set pieces on the day. You know, we will see on that in that department. But I think it will be a bit of a test for Liverpool as a team to to find a way through Brentford and to, and to find a back of the net, which will be even harder than normal if Trent isn't playing. I think I expect him to because he's only supposed to have a bit of seconds, but. Hopefully, hopefully he is because if he isn't, I think well, I think we need that our best attacking players basically on the pitch to to cause Brentford problems. And do you think we're bigging them up too much, Dave? Or 
No, no, it's just, <clears throat> I just think it's, I, I, I mean, sometimes I do worry that people start messages saying, you know, stop going on about Brentford, we talk about Liverpool, but I just think it's nice <laughs> yeah. to, you know, I think it's nice to cover the bases with the, these teams that you're playing, um, you know, it, it, because I'll, let's be real, uh, a lot of people probably haven't had much time to pay that much attention to what Brentford have been doing. They're new to the Premier League. Um, when was the last time Liverpool faced them? Have they ever faced them? You know, I'm not I, sure. I, that's, that's a good yeah. shot, actually. So I think it is just. I, I mean, we have we're we're fortunate in that it's part of our job to kind of get to look into teams in a little bit more detail. And you know, it, it'd be a shame to do a show like this and not try and cover as many bases as we could. Um, so yeah, apologies if if people don't 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 enjoy it, but uh, hopefully some do. First league meeting between Liverpool and Brentford since May 1947. So, there you go, yeah. anyone who's alive then who's listening today, <laughs> fair play, you've done well. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've had a good innings there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, before we move on, then we'll we'll do predictions on this one. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Look, I'm still going to back Liverpool. I think. Given those nineteen twenty similarities, it'd be foolish not to. And I do still think they'll have enough. Um, I'm going to go a little bit tight. I'll go one one nil. I think I'm going to go two nil. Um, but I, it's a difficult one. This because Liverpool have been strolling with results lately and finding it pretty easy to to just come away three nil winners every week. So. It's a difficult one to preview. I do think Liverpool will come away with three points. I don't think Liverpool will concede. And I think a lot of it will just be determined by how, how easily Liverpool find a way through Brentford, which so far has proved difficult for most teams. But yeah, that'll be an inter- interesting one to watch. We'll um, review that one next week. But before before we f- conclude, Dave, we have to quickly preview Porto, who, I mean, this is this must be... About the four hundred and second time that we've previewed Porto. <laughs> yeah. Liverpool right. seems to face them every week. Yeah, the um every it doesn't feel like it's a it's a Champions League campaign without Porto appearing at some point in it. <laughs> um and good news for Liverpool usually getting well beaten. Um yeah. so I mean I must be honest, you know, I, I haven't paid that much attention to them this season. Uh, I know they've made a fairly decent start to, to their domestic campaign. Um I also noticed that the they went to Madrid and drew nil nil, which you know is a decent result against the good side in the in the first game of the Champions League. So <laughs> if it was anyone else you'd say, you know, it could be a test, but Liverpool just seems to have Porto's number. Um so I just can't look beyond uh, a comfortable win. Well, one of the frustrating things about this, we we maybe we'll maybe be able to make this a bit more interesting if Sergio Conceição wasn't wasn't still in charge of them. So mm. for all of these meetings, all of these recent meetings, he is being the coach and he's he's still the coach. Um and he still seems to favour his four four two. It still seems to be quite narrow, which Liverpool have a way around, usually with Van Dyke's big cross field diagonals and making the pitch really wide and things like that. So I expect to see Van Dijk playing a big part when it comes to Liverpool's build-up. But yeah, they are very much in the mould of the Porto Liverpool have faced in, in past years. Nothing too much has changed, given the manager's still there and things like that. One one thing that has changed, last time we played them, I think, they had a, a quite a handful of a striker in, I think it was Musa Marega. Hmm. I think he's now left... I can't remember where he's gone. It's somewhere obscure. It's somewhere like I'm MLS sure. or, or China or somewhere, I think. Qatar or, you know, somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, but when he played, he, is a, he, is a, he was a tough opponent, a tough striker. And I think he had he had that blend of pace and physical strength. And he actually caused Van Dijk a few issues, if I, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but he's not there no more. But one player that seems to have taken the spotlight instead who Everton have insistently been linked with a little bit, Dave, is Luis Diaz. Mm. He seems to be their man. I mean, I'm not sure if you've looked into him at all for the Blues. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think, I mean, this deal's well gone now, but there was talk of maybe him coming to Everton, him being interested in the move to the Premier League and 
James Rodriguez going the other way. Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen now. But yeah, you know, a, a, a player who's who's shown to be a really good player, a really good attacking asset, uh, usually plays out on the out in a wide position, but tends to be one a, a player who drifts uh, inwards and just just offers a lot of attacking output. Um, could be a could be a prop probably. Porto's maybe main danger man at the moment, and someone that they need to they need to Liverpool maybe just need to keep quiet if they can. Yeah, I mean he's he's only he hasn't been on my radar for too long. I'll be honest, um, but as you say, he looks like a talent. I think he's twenty four years old, and so far this season, just getting up there numbers now. He's scored five goals for Porto, hmm. um, no penalties, and he's registered one assist. Which is it's the most on on their team. To think there's two players behind them on three goals, um, so he's probably the player we need to look out for. The probably player we need to take care of. Um, Al Halal is where Marega ended up, Dave. Oh uh, right, okay. Where's Saudi that? Arabia. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's it. Is, is that where any Esther went? Uh, or Xavi or one of them? Maybe one of them. Where, where do you enter manage? Uh, yeah, and I think one of them went to play there. Uh, I'm going to check while we're still recording. Hang on. It wasn't well, Javi. It's the important things that everyone needs to know. That. <laughs> That's um, it, yeah. No, it wasn't. Uh, Iniesta went to Japan. That was it, yeah. Someone went to Al Halal. I can't remember. Uh, Javi did go to, to the Middle East. I just can't remember if he quickly I think went it was to... Qatar. Oh, yeah. Mm. I can't remember anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll round up there anyway. So. In fact, no preview on a pause on Dave. What what seven, do you think? Seven nil. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I, look, I do think it'll be a, a win again. Um, I'm gonna go four nil. Genuinely, I just I... yeah, I feel like we've previewed this game so many times, and I, I, hopefully, no one thinks we're doing it the service. But we've just it's happened so many times. I'm just gonna go for four nil. I'm not gonna go that far at all. I've, I'm I might go for. One nil on this one. Um, it's away from home. Obviously, the supporters in the ground and Klopp. I mean, he rotated a little bit against Milan. Whether he will again remains to be seen. But if he does, I don't think Porto will be an easy game. Obviously, they've just two against Atletico Madrid. So I don't know. It's a difficult one to preview that. But I, I think Liverpool maybe one or two nil, something like that. Mm. But uh, we'll round up there anyway. So we got there in the end. Got through Everton. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Dave. Yeah, thank you, mate. Cheers, everyone. Yeah, and we'll be back next week to talk about Brentford, to talk about Porto, and to preview Manchester City. Um, Yeah, big game. Uh, So yeah, do tune in next week, and uh, thanks for listening. See you then. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.